This week on the Koshcast. Arsenal go top, Manchester United flop, Liverpool beat the Alpine Klopp and Spurs put City's winning run to a stop. Elsewhere, Lampard's finding it damn hard unlike Pookie who's got four in two, you see. All this, some bits and very possibly bobs from around Europe and much more. Oh, here the lads. Hello and welcome to the Koshko. My name is Alex and I'm joined on Zoom, which is some kind of conferencing app, by a newly father, by a newly father, by a new father, Bernie Uche. Yay! That's what and my son by the newly like, married Mohanad Kea. <laughs> by the newly father, it sounds like you're starting a prayer. <laughs> eh, hey, newly father. Yeah. How are, How you, are you, Alex? We, ne- we never ask about you. How are you doing? I know, uh, you're all extremely rude, but I'm very well. All right, well, we know Bernie isn't in a great mood because uh, despite the birth of his son, Manchester United have failed him today. Is that where we're going to start? It is the, the last game that happened. Well, since it's the first thing you mentioned, then I guess we have no choice. <laughs> well, um, is it any surprise, Mohamed? I'll ask you first to give Bernie some time to, to get into this. Is it any surprise that a midfield of Pogba and McTominay... <laughs> didn't, weren't effective against Wolverhampton Wanderers, who, who honestly no. might, have, might have a better midfield. Who would have thought that Jean Moutinho and Neves could be just as good, if not better, than McTominay and Pogba, you know? I, yeah, I, I was thinking to, to myself after this game, I was like, this result isn't a surprise. Why isn't this a surprise? And then I looked at the two teams and the benches and realized that hey, Wolves aren't worse than Manchester United player for player. Also, don't forget that they had Lingard playing number 10. Creative number 10, Jesse Lingard. <sighs> I mean, this would be great if you guys were accurate on the actual performance in the game. I mean, Neves and Moutinho are definitely miles ahead of McTominay and Andreas and Fred and everyone else. But Moutinho and Neves were absolutely horrendous most of this game. That, that's just, I mean, we talked about this. Neves was trash until his goal. He was letting McTominay and Pogba pass the ball, double the touches, uh, double the, crea- the creative passes. They didn't get near them. They were getting overpressed by those two. That's a disgrace. You can't get outpressed by Pogba and McTominay. That's what the stats show. So in this game, wow. absolutely not. The, the performance of those two, Moutinho and Neves was lackluster compared to what they can actually do. Sounds, sounds like United won 3-0 from what I'm hearing. I, I think you can let them do that if you then Tony Yeboah the ball into the top <laughs> right-hand corner <laughs> off the bar to level If you the game. know you have that in your locker like a cheat code, that I'm going to do that, then yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, just looking at that Neves goal, like forget the shot and how nice it was in the corner and all that. It, I really like the fact that it was clearly a play off the training ground. But also, like you, if you watch the goal again, you could see people get sucked into the pass, like from the corner kick to the on runner, and then the on runner back to the corner kick taker. Everybody got sucked into him so much and into the box that it was so perfectly kind of um, calculated that Neves was so open at that point, enough to take. What was really a bad first touch that didn't really set him up perfectly, but he figured out a way to kind of dig it out from underneath him, right? He, he it found was, it way... was almost like Sorry, go ahead, an NFL. It was almost like an NFL play. Like it was yeah. that, that organized to create the space for him. 
yeah, I felt it was a wonderful play. I didn't, I mean, it's one of those things when you get tricked even like watching it. So you can imagine, you know, what the players on the pitch are like. Um, I, I, I was just, for me, it was the only piece of bad defending except for Luke Shaw in the game where United just did not close them out. I, I thought after that first touch that Mo talked about, you have to chase that man down. And I don't yeah. think they did that quick enough. That's, I agree with that because the first touch, like I said, was not the perfect touch. And, and at that point, even when I'm, because I, I, again, my, my, the zone, like I was not on it at the time the goal came in, but when I was watching the replay and it came to Nevis and I, I heard from you guys that it was a wonderful shot, blah, blah, blah. After the first touch, when I was watching it for the first time, I was like, how is this going to happen now? Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I know what I'm expecting, but I just don't yeah. see how it's going to happen. Well, was it, Bernie, did you pull up the stat that, that Neves in the Premier League has had like three touches in the opposition box? Yeah, he scored five goals in like, the Premier League, all of them outside the box, I think, and only three touches in the opposition box. So He doesn't even bother going in. No. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a really good shot technique. Like he's, You could see the way he just strikes the ball. But again, that, that was a really good goal, but Martial's goal was, I think just as uh, as pretty, like the the whole play, Rashford's pass was weighted perfectly in the right moment to kind of trick the defender and take take his momentum uh, against him, and then Martial finished with his left to intentionally put it high into the roof of the goal like that. I thought that was fantastic from a player who looks like this season might slowly come back into form with two goals and two. I, I think that makes sense. I thought I didn't see that finish coming when when he was. On that left side, I thought, well, side netting. If I initially thought I hit the side netting because I didn't expect him to. Someone called it an Aguero-esque type finish. And I think with Aguero's near post prowess that we've seen, that's pretty much accurate with the speed and the power of the shot. But Martial, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because of any top six striker, if I want to call him a striker, he has the best conversion rate. So he does score goals when he shoots the ball a lot of the time. But... He's got to get in the positions, and they have to do that more. I think that was the only shot in the first half by either team. <laughs> let, <laughs> like, let, that, that's, that was just disgusting. Let, let me ask you this. Um, should Marshall play through the middle every week? Yes. There is no – I mean, let's, on the basis of two games, you scored two for two from poaching situations or number nine situations. I don't see why you don't do that. doesn't – with his shot conversion rate, you have to do that. Yeah, well, the problem is then, it's not about just Marshall. The problem is then you have Rashford out wide. But, you know, does Rashford do that job well enough? And I know you have James, but James is still an experience. And I know the passion from last game and all that, but you could tell this game that it's just, it was a little bit out of his depth. And, yes, he does have pace, but, you know, I, you have Greenwood on the bench potentially. But other than that, you don't really have a lot of wing or striking options. I mean, Alexis doesn't play. Greenwood is very young. James is very young. So the question is, you know, do you play Rashford that wide all season? You have no choice. You, you, Rashford is not a good as, fin, as good a finisher as Martial. He makes more runs, so he might get in better positions. But you don't have anything else. You might bring on a Chong or Gomez, but they're young as Greenwood. And Alexis is completely ineffective. He's, absolute, he's a negative. So you have no choice to do that, but to do that, which puts you in a situation where if you have injuries – or bad form, you have a big, big problem. But if they can play on form, then you have no problem there. Well, this is what I was saying when I looked at the, the benches and, and was kind of, for want of a better word, bantering you after the game, which is that Wolves brought on Patrick uh, Cutrone. Like, 
they brought on a better striker than the Man United have in their squad as a backup option um, now that Lukaku's gone. Also, they brought on Adama Traore, who made a massive difference with his you know, truck size and Lamborghini pace. And they even have like Morgan Gibbs-White on the bench. I just looked at United's bench with Mata, Pereira, Young, Romero, Greenwood, Matic, Twanzebi, and it's uninspiring, at least from an attacking point of view. It is uninspiring. I, I, I agree, except, I mean, I like Mason Greenwood a lot, watched him a lot, so, but I don't think he's, he's the guy, you know, that's going to do what you're asking him to do. What, what, what I take from this is that United still probably should have won this game, despite not having a good midfield, quote-unquote, which outpassed Wolves, outpressed Wolves, didn't have a good bench options, but should have won this game. There were two incidents that made no sense to me. Pogba missing that penalty... I knew he was going to miss. I was saying this to the other guys in my other group chat. When I saw it was Pogba and not Rashford. Excuse me? Excuse me? I have, I'm sorry. That? I'm sorry. Let's say, let's, let's say I didn't say that, okay? In okay. no other group chat, just talking to myself. Uh, okay. The minute I saw Pogba and not Rashford, it wasn't a Rashford's a good penalty taker thing. It was I could see the narrative of why did he take a penalty off Rashford. And just that narrative in my head said he's going to miss. And to be honest, it was a good save, but it was a good height for Rui Patricio. It was not a good penalty for me. I, yeah, it, it wasn't. And, and we've since learned, because everyone obviously asked Solskjaer about it, that uh, Rashford and Pogba are both designated penalty takers and they basically just have to work it out each you know, yeah. turn by turn as to what happens. But I think you know, there was a lot of controversy last season over Pogba's penalties with his silly run-up. And I think that when you're doing a run-up like that, and it's it may be as easy to say now, but I'm thinking about it. And when you're doing a run-up like that, is it not to mask the fact that you're not particularly confident? Like, you're taking a penalty. You have the massive advantage. Just get up there and smash it into the corner. If you're diddling around with your run-up, you're looking for extra help. You want the keeper to go early or something. So if he's not confident taking them, maybe, you know, hand it off. Yeah, but he didn't even do the run-up, which is weird. I thought if no, you, I that's your coping mechanism, right? Because you're not confident, then <laughs> do it. You know, I think the best penalty takers have pretty much the same technique, right? Even though, like, for example, Jorginho, it looks absolutely ridiculous. But that's his thing. <laughs> so I have, I have no thing. idea how those go in. Like, we know this is happening, but yet it just seems to work. Yeah. It was, there was a remarkable example the other day. Was it against Adrian? Yeah, it must have been. Adrian went so early and then immediately remonstrated with himself for falling for it. It was, it was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, anyways, let's... Um, yeah, we, I mean, again, not a, not, a, not a bad point for Manchester United away to Wolves, which is, you know, a lot of teams will struggle away to Wolves. But just seeing how the game went, I agree with Bernie that United were in control enough to win this game. Yes, they didn't create enough chances, potentially, but still enough in control because Wolves really did not um, trouble De Gea. Like, just from what I saw, at least, there, there was nothing there to suggest that Wolves deserved the points out of this game. There was nothing there. And when you add, you know, we talked about the penalty, but Jesse Lingard, I don't know if you guys have seen it. He, there was this massive air shot that he had when it was easier to score. The ball was played back. I don't know if it was Mamba Saka or someone else. And it, by the way, he had nine out of 10 tackles again. But someone passed the ball to him in the box, put it in the net, and he completely missed, like just swung for air. And I thought, yeah, I'm but, done. 
I'm done. But these are these are the kind of moments where the young players learn from, you know. So he'll just take this from here and he'll go from strength to strength. <laughs> I don't know. I think some people are just really prone to swinging for her. Hey, Rasheza. Hey. I was so confused for a second. Alex, do you want to introduce who this uh, intruder is? Uh, this is Rache Rana, who literally 10 minutes ago told us he couldn't pod. So, uh, well, welcome. Uh, yeah. No, that, uh, that Zoom meeting really made it super convenient. I'm just on my cell phone right now. But uh, I couldn't bear to be away from the lads. This is what happened. Right. Well, you, well, you joined I... just as we were, we were talking about how poor United were. So, please, continue. Oh. Um, I mean, long story short, I'm sure you guys have covered extensive ground about this, but uh, Pogba missed a penalty, could have won the game, got three points, it didn't happen, lost two points. That's, that's a that, very that's good summary. Thing. That's the thing. Um, all right, let's move on. But actually, to... actually, it's my honor. One second, I just want to add one quick thing to this. Before this game started, I made the prophetic declaration this would be a story of the United season. This game would be the encapsulation of the United season. And lo and behold, we got exactly what we expected. Come on. I mean, I mean, that's we have to see how the season goes. But I see what you mean. You mean like kind of being be, be control of the game, but still like drop points. It's kind of does that sum it up? Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll come back to this at the end of the season. Just 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 see how. It but goes. I I can see I can see how that potentially could be. I know, like, so close yet so far. I I know what you mean. That that might be that might be your season actually. Then Especially again. that you don't have. Sorry, then again, if the encapsulation of United season is them controlling football games, I'll take that for now because that's not what we've seen in recent years. So, uh, I was just I about to say that. It, it, it's more that Wolves have had United's number now. They haven't beaten them in so many, um, so many meetings. And just the fact that they had it in their hands and they weren't able to put them away is the story that I'm like, going for. Right. I, I would worry about your United's depth slightly, just because, like Alex said, the bench didn't look inspiring. Uh, Mata, Matic don't count for me at all. And then you've got the very young guys in Chung and and Greenwood. So you've really, those four already don't count for me. Like, I get it. He's exciting and whatever, but you know, you're not going to get top four relying on, on those guys who haven't played a game of, you know, Premier League in their life. So I would worry slightly about your depth, a few injuries here and there. You know, Pogba gets injured and then what? You're playing with the midfield of McTominay, Pereira and Lingard. Like, I mean, it starts to get really shaky. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> anyways, um, let's move on to City Spurs. Another game of dominance and only one point taken, but this one uh, infinitely more so. <laughs> City were actually sensational. Like they they were sensationally good. Um, although I thought Spurs set up to take a battering, which was a bit odd given what happened in the Champions League and how easy they found to score goals against City over those two legs, you would have thought, take that as a template and go at them. But they kind of set up to, set up to be reactive and City were just all over them. Um, just sloppy at the back and, and let Spurs back into it. But like this should have been four or five, six. It was crazy. City were in full control of this game and then Sterling popped up with what was a beautiful, beautiful header. I, the cynic in me thinks that there's a little bit in there that he meant to almost head it back to Aguero and then it like went into the goal I you know I don't know oh I just feel like it's such a tight angle to go for the header with Sterling was not you know the strongest header of the ball I just felt like he was almost trying to give it back to Aguero and went in but regardless the end result was such a good header from such a tight angle um beautiful cross from uh, De Bruyne and um you know that set him up to really 
what, as usual, they should cruise against Spurs, but then somehow they always seem to allow Spurs back into it. And in this case, it was um, Ederson that really royally messed up here. Like when, when um, Lamella put the ball in the, in the net, it was barely away from the center of the goal. And for some reason, Ederson was like marking one of his posts. I, I just don't understand how that happened. I wonder if, uh, if, you know, City had been so dominant up to that point that he was just so bored and like <laughs> not concentrating because he really was just in a ridiculous position. As you said, Lamella like, bent it slightly to the left of the goal, but it wasn't close to the corner. Right. No, he, he actually is... When you talk about concentration, I feel like when people talk about Ederson versus Alisson, I think it's very, very clear who the more concentrated goalkeeper is. And it's definitely Alisson, because Ederson, even in that Champions League, we were talking about how Ederson cost them... Um, I think in the, in the, was it second leg or first leg? I don't remember which one, where Ederson, just lo- lack of concentration cost him. And if you do get at that defense even a little bit, and then you have to rely on Ederson, I'm not sure. I'm, well, I, I think well, he's great with his distribution and all that, but I'm just not sure about that guy. You, you remember Neuer, when Neuer was at his peak and the best keeper in the world, the, the one thing that was always attributed to him is that Bayern's defense was so good that Neuer barely got to make a save. But when he had to make that one save per game, he was so sharp and so alert all game, all game, mm-hmm. all game. And that's almost what Edison has to be because City dominates games of football so much that he will be called on once a game, right? And that one time he has to be all there because if you're not, then what's the point, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. Sorry, I was just looking at some stats for this game and I want to bring this up because I'm finding it amusing. So City had 57% possession, Spurs 43. City had 20 goal attempts uh, off target, Spurs had one. 10 on target, Spurs had two. City had 13 corners, Spurs had two. City had 13 fouls, Spurs had four. Uh, it's like, where, where are they making these fouls? Spurs, they had the ball. This, it shows you how quickly they foul the opposition when they do get the ball. Because Spurs barely had it, and yet City's foul count is, is miles ahead of them. It's interesting. Right, well, well, when you look at you know, two of those corners, one of them for Spurs, Lucas Mora came on a header that didn't. Like, that's unacceptable. Like, like, Pep Guardiola has every right to absolutely go berserk when Lucas Mora is coming on the field and scoring a header against you. Like, that's just not good enough. Man's got, man's got hops, though. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, and then he took off. Uh, Aguero scored the uh, the second goal for City before that Lucas Moura uh, equalizer. Um, and then he took Aguero off and they got a little bit heated on the sideline. Um, I think from my understanding and what people are saying in terms of analyzing what happened is that everything was fine except it seemed like Aguero was tired of Pep like giving feedback on the spot. Like he's just like, let me sub in peace. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was like almost, I just want to like walk them my seat. I don't need to stand here in front of the whole world while you like tell me what I did or didn't do. Like not right now. Like we can talk about this later. You know what I mean? You know, I know people like, like Roche have a little bit of a hatred for Pep a little bit. And I think for the, for the people who have an agenda against Pep, that's one of those things where they go, Pep sees a camera. And Pep decides when a, and he sees a camera, I've got a coach. At all points in time, yeah. I've got a coach. Well, it, it's really difficult to be Pep, first of all, because he's such a, such a perfectionist. I mean, he'll complain about anything. You give him anything that's not perfect, and it drives him crazy. And the closer it is to perfection, is the, more, the more crazy he gets, because it was right. almost perfect. And right. so Pep now has been, has been wronged by VAR. And if you look at the margin on error on VAR, I think I read somewhere it was like 13 centimeters or something. 
and if Raheem Sterling is going 15 miles per hour, then the frame, uh, like the the speed he moved in which the frame of reference of error, that would like equal right. 13 centimeters or something. Pep is probably going absolutely crazy. He's going <laughs> to lose weight and he's going to like probably die if he gets one more call. Like this. To be fair, Pep uh, is the one that's been affected by VR so much recently. Like in the last few months alone, this one less so, but then you have the Champions League semifinal. Uh, where, again, they almost won it uh, if it wasn't for that VAR decision. Uh, and Tottenham seem to be the team that are really um, benefiting from it twice now against City. So, I mean, I can't, uh, I can't blame them for, uh, for being a little bit um, pissed off. And we were talking about how, you know, the handball, and Rochelle was talking about the centimeters and all that, but even the handball rule now is not, it, you know, doesn't help the strikers, which is most rules in football are supposed to kind of, enhance the experience and add more goals. But this one, with the handball being always given against the striker but not always against the defender, I don't know if I like it so much. Yeah, there are a couple of things. I mean, one is just to the point of City being, you know, overly impacted by by these VAR decisions. So far, yes, and it will that will happen to the teams that spend most time attacking, right? The more time you, you are creating chances and spending time in the opposition box, the more likely you are to run into these scenarios. Um, and with the handball rule, it, the new one is completely stupid. It's completely stupid. If a defender kicks the ball into your arm, which leads to a chance for your teammate, that goal is going to be going to be taken off, even if your arm was just next to you. Any involvement of your arm makes the goal illegitimate, and it just doesn't make any sense. And and obviously, everything is looked at through the prism of VAR now. But it, in this case, it's the rule that that is ridiculous, not the method by which it's enforced. Yeah, that was what I was going to say, that the actual enforcement of VAR is correct because of the stupidity of the rule. I agree with you. What what they're trying to do, and they've got it wrong, is to address handball, because we've been screaming about this for a long time. The rule is, is or was, I don't know if they've changed it or just given any directive, is intentional or not. And I think they have an issue with what's intentional and what's not intentional, right? So... Now they're saying just any handball that leads to a goal in the box by a defender or, sorry, by an attacker, we're saying forget it. So I, they're going no, no tolerance on this, and, and I'm not sure if it's right or not, but that's how Liverpool scored a penalty against uh, Spurs So it's in, in the Champions League final. It was, so it's not just City that have been suffering this, although against Tottenham, yeah, it's been two in a row. Yeah, sure. Anyways, I, I I don't know. I I what you said that I've been imagining. A, I I've been I've been imagining a version of. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> just by the tone of his voice, he's so unconvinced and uninterested. He's like, ah, while well, you think that I was imagining, blah blah whatever. <laughs> Anyways, um, okay. The, 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 there's one little thing I just want to point people's attention to, which is that someone <laughs> so Spurs brought on uh, Giovanni Lo Celso at one point uh, just to like uh, be a new body in the midfield and run around a bit because all they were doing was defending, right? And <laughs> someone's made a YouTube video of his debut performance in which he touches the ball once. <laughs> <It's> very funny. <laughs> oh, my God. The rest yeah. of it was just like running back and forth. I don't know about oh, the Celso stuff. Alex, can you send me that video? I need to watch it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to YouTube it the same way you do, so just YouTube it. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I don't know. Good. I don't know how I find how I feel about the Lo Celso signing. Like, I know you know using Argentina 
performances is not really the best way of assessing a player because, I mean, you look at Messi, you think he's never kicked the ball before. But the South so far, Argentina, at least in the last uh, tournament, did not impress me at all. So maybe he'll be better for Spurs, but I don't know. If you use Argentina as any sort of benchmark, then Sergio Aguero is a piece of trash. <laughs> if that's what we're going to do. Right. So I, Aguero I would, I would, is, uh, Aguero's going to beat Sierra's number, isn't he? Where are they where at right now? I mean, he only needs he needs like a twenty something goal season and then something respectable next, I think. And he's quite close; like it's possible. Like if he keeps scoring tap-ins for this for this behemoth team, it might happen. He has one fifty-six. He needs to get just under a hundred more. I don't see that. As as much 100. as I, you know, if he does it, he deserves it. But I would be a bit sad for Alan Shearer, who has you know since the end of his playing career lost his hair and his credibility so you know leave him something <laughs> right right <laughs> uh, just one uh, quick thing well, son is so important guys like son really is the most important player for tottenham if he's not there there's no party no party at all yeah he's he's very I mean, good he, for them and lucas alex go ahead no, I was just going to say, you know, I agree that Son is important, but I, I think in a game like this, I'm not sure how much difference he would have made given Spurs barely had the ball. But Son is one of those guys that is really good at kind of like making something happen out of nothing, like I feel, which is what Spurs seem to keep doing against City. And he, just that quality that he would have, like, I don't know. He's, yeah. Did Son have you know, an impact in that Champions League match? Oh, I can't remember now. But I feel like he did score a goal. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, like he, he scored. He scored two or three against City over the two legs. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, what else? Uh, Chelsea, Leicester City, one-one. Um, are Chelsea going to make top four? Because I don't think so. No. No. I mean, it would be an unbelievable achievement, frankly, if they did. Hey, well done. Um, the depth is my issue again. They have no striker. And again, they they rely on like Kovacic and Barkley and Pedro and Willian, like and Jorginho, like deep. Like I, I just feel like if they and again, Christiansen and Zuma and Aspilicueta. Look at all these names. None of these is inspiring. Like Aspilicueta is dead. It's over. Christiansen is not good enough. Zuma is <laughs> only that? playing. Like yeah, like Zuma is only playing because they have no other option and they brought him back from home. Like if they had a proper transfer window they would have sold Zuma for sure like and then Emerson is only playing because you know he doesn't want to play Alonso out of principle I don't know what the issue is the point is and and the keeper the 70 million keeper is not a 70 million keeper like I just don't see if, if he pulls this off it would be a miracle in my eyes yeah you know what I thought about this particular game was the first half was all Chelsea all Chelsea Leicester weren't really in the game and it's well, what I've seen from Leicester and Wolves right now, a lot of people are saying that these are teams that could join this top six battle. And I feel if Chelsea, Man United, and Arsenal are so wishy-washy in some areas of the pitch or, or whatever, and they're doing and they're giving these teams a runaround the way that they did, then I'm not convinced by, by Leicester or Wolves' capability to challenge for the top four over 38 games. Leicester were overrun in this game. It could have been 4 nothing by the end of the first half. If Mason Mount had got another one and uh, Pedro had his shooting boots on, they could have been gone in the first half. Second half, Leicester picked it up, but they really shouldn't have been in that game by that point. 
And yeah, maybe even Leicester could have won it, which is a, which is a, a crime considering how that first half went. But just goes to show that Chelsea's defense, as Mo said, is really, really not good. And their midfield, maybe they have some more pieces to come, but they they can get overrun. But still, this should not have been a close game. I was very concerned for Leicester uh, from the first half performance. They, they were very open. I mean, what I would say about midfield, Leicester's midfield is that, you know, we, we eulogize over uh, Madison and Tielemans and what have you, um, but it, it can leave Ndidi a little bit exposed. I mean, it was his mistake for the goal, but, um, you know, Brendan Rodgers has, has uh, he's manned up and taken responsibility for that, saying uh, that it was his fault because he asks the players to build from the back, like that's something special, you know. Like, everyone's asking the players <laughs> to build from the back and, He's going to have to take responsibility next week when it happens again. There we go. Alex's hate for Brendan Rodgers is coming out. I actually don't hate him. I think he's probably going to do a really good job. I just thought it was a silly thing to do. Like, of course, you're asking players to go from the back. The fact that he's going to do a good job just annoys you. No. No, what annoys me is that this is clearly Wilfred Ndidi's fault, right? And Rodgers feels the need to step into into the light and say, this is my fault because, you know, what I do is I ask my players to pass it out from the back as if no one else is doing that, you know? Which isn't even how they lost the goal. Indeed, he didn't pass the ball. He just dwelled on it too long like an idiot. So I don't really see why he, he felt the need yeah, to, but, to say what but, he said. But, but then he made up for it with a bullet header. Yeah, he did. I was he glad did. it was him. Yeah, yeah his contract was going to uh, take a knock if he, didn't, if he didn't do that. So props to him. Hey, you guys want to start? Um, yes. Yes. Attack. Mason Mount became the first English player to score for Chelsea under an English manager since Dennis Wise in 1996, who was at the time managed by Glenn Hoddle. Makes sense. Oh, wow. That's, that, that is a cool start. That's a long bloody time ago. Yeah. I really Did you say 96? 96, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that piece of analysis, Bernie. <laughs> It's like, did you watch Chelsea Leicester? Yeah, I really hate so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, level of analysis. This, yeah, yeah, just like I don't, I just like Chelsea. Um, did you see what Frank Lampard was wearing in the tent? Hopefully, uh, uh, tracksuit, wasn't it? No, man, he was wearing like some costume from Peaky Blinders, like with the beret oh, and everything. John Terry, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he looked very much like a Peaky Blinder. Yeah, yeah, he looked very racist. Um, so, <laughs> what else? There, we had the Arsenal-Burnley game. Um, this was, Arsenal obviously got the three points. This was Arsenal's first ever time in 10 years to win the first two games of the season, which is another incredible start. Um, to Morning, think that I, Arsenal I, I, sorry, but I have a question for you, uh, a very specific one on this. Um, Who's top of the league? We're top of the league. There, Arthur, we're top of the league. <laughs> Nate, we're going to be top of the league Liverpool. next week when we, when we pummel Liverpool. Oh, wait, Liverpool are top of the league. My, yeah, you guys cannot do math, clearly. It's goal difference, but no one cares. Hey, we man, it counts, do... okay? I, I lost the league on goal difference. Leave me alone. I Bernie <laughs> lost the league on goal difference. Yeah, yeah Bernie was on, on the roster that year. Um, anyway, back, back to the game. Um, this was, again, like I was expecting, I was hoping, not expecting, I was hoping for like a, a run around in the Emirates, maybe score three, four goals here, and then kind of 
get going a little bit after a very edgy game against Newcastle away, which, you know, I, I accept is a very difficult fixture for Arsenal, at least. Um, this one was no different. Again, Arsenal took the lead from a corner kick, not the most, you know, not the most, I guess, exciting build-up play or anything up to that point, but the goal came, and I thought that was going to settle us down, and then obviously Burnley came back into it. A very fortuitous goal with a deflection off the shot and then landed at, uh, what's his face? Um, such a punchable face. Um, Actually, they yeah, Ashley Barnes. And then a really brilliant goal by Aubameyang, which I wish I could see him do more of, that just easy sidestep and finish into the goal. Um, after some really good work by Tobias, who was man of the match, he was very impressive this game. Him and, him and Guendouzi played very well in midfield. Add to that Willock, too. Very young um, midfield trio, but they did very well. Yeah, I don't, I don't usually enjoy any... Arsenal victories, but when it's against Brexit FC, I'm I'm all for it. I really, I, I hate Burnley more than I hate Chelsea. So I, I I was happy that you guys won. It was interesting yeah, because you don't, you don't want to talk about yeah you don't want to talk about the lack of that goal right. But I thought the strength that he showed for that goal was immense. That's 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 a real number nine type of goal. They could not get get they could not push him off. And yeah. maybe he squeaked it in or whatever, but that's a really, really good goal. Aubameyang, great, whatever. But to me, that's a really good goal that you need to score more of, actually. Uh, um, it, it reminded me of, of Thierry Henry. Uh, remember his back heel goal? I think it was against Charlton. Um, and just yeah. those moments where he would pull off something that you weren't expecting. And Lacazette has that in the box, like in tight spaces. It probably helps that he's tiny but he, uh, with little feet. And he could just shift it just enough. And he actually threw two defenders off the wrong way in this case. And I was talking to Mohanad about this earlier. Nine times out of 10, whoever's in that position is going to lay the ball back to someone else. And I think he kind of understood that and, and used the defender's assumption to, to create the space for him. And I think it was a, a really brilliant goal. Well, this is, this is starting to become a pattern with like a that where a few times in the box, I feel like I, I expect him to pass the ball, but he doesn't. If you, you remember last season the goal against Liverpool, same thing. He was going away from Allison, who had kind of closed down the angle, but then he swiveled, turned, and put it into the goal when I was expecting definitely a, a pass or a cross across the box. He seems to do that quite a bit, where he just shooting seems to be his number one option. And you know what? He's good at it. He's got good technique. And this is why he plays with Aubameyang, because people say, you know, do you want to play Aubameyang or do you want to play like that? And they do very, very different things, which is why they both play at the same time. And Aubameyang's numbers, don't seem to be affected by playing out wide. Like, the guy has 33 goals or so in, like, 50 Arsenal appearances. That's insane numbers. And I don't think Aubameyang gets enough credit. Like, you know, people talk about Aguero's and Kane's of, of this league, but Aubameyang is right up there with, you know, top scorer in his first season in the Premier League. That's not a small feat. And then continuing where he left off now, he's, he's been such an immense player for Arsenal, and uh, I think it kind of gets overlooked slightly by, you know, well, non-Arsenal fans. It gets overlooked by not non-Arsenal fans, by Arsenal fans. All you guys are doing last year was slagging off the fact that he doesn't do anything but score goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> Arsenal fans were the ones who were slagging him off the most. Everyone else was like, oh, that's a pretty good player. You were like, actually, we watch him game in and game out. He's not that good. I was shocked that you guys are doing that, to be honest. Well, I mean, uh, we, 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 we were right, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we weren't wrong. It just, I did, I did, I did reference stats. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyways, uh, I think a really good three points there, and, and next game is going to be a very you know table topper, the league decider against Liverpool uh, next week. 
I think whoever wins this one will go on and then win the rest of their games. So um, big game on Saturday. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think that's that's fairly obvious. One philosophical question about the opposition here. Um, can anyone tell me what the point of Burnley is? They're just there <laughs> to be one day nuked. Yeah. Yes, that's fair. When, when the Russians I, I do think... decide to aim at the UK, they're going to aim at Burnley. I think that's pretty fair. Okay, Alex, was that, the philosophical, was that the philosophical answer you're looking for? No. <laughs> okay. I, I felt your pain there. Yeah. yeah. I think the real um, question, gents, is, is Sean Dyche a fraud? No, I, no, he's doing, he's doing an excellent job with a bunch of, of absolutely nonsense players. <laughs> like, yeah, to be fair, he's got nobody. He's got nobody on that team. Like, yeah. zero. You look at like Palace or Newcastle or some other teams that have better player, better footballers. You know, imagine Sean Dyche with Almiron. I mean, he wouldn't know what to do with him. But like, it, it, he's he's doing this with with you know, I don't know. He's building a fence. We don't even know. Like the problem is, I like, really hope you don't mean better players like Joe Linton. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Hang on. Hang on. Before we go anywhere. I'm not having yes. this Joe Linton thing as if it's two <laughs> bloody names. His name is Joel Linton, and everyone's just like, oh, Joe, I recognize that. So I'm going to say the Joe bit, and then whatever's left. No. Yes, man. Like, man did you hear talk sports? talk sports today? Talk sports was like, bro, like, some dude was ranting about how he hates it when commentators get the names of foreign players correct. Like, I don't care what his actual name is. Say it like he would say it in this country. It's like wow, <laughs> so annoying. Jeez. Anyway, um, but yeah, Joel Linton. I know, I know. It just for some reason there always seems to be a space when people write it. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, but you're right. They're, they recognize the Joe bit, and they're like, "We'll make it Joe for us, and then we'll figure out the rest." Um, yeah. Anyways, but yeah. So um, we were talking about Liverpool as well. They beat Southampton two one away from home. Um, again, this, Liverpool were similar to the Chelsea game, the inverse of the Chelsea game. Liverpool were really um, not very good in the uh, was it second half or first half? One of the halves. They weren't really good. Um, sure. And Southampton should have should have really capitalized on that much better. But their striker, their new striker from the Championship, Adams, I think, um, Jay whatever Adams. his name is, he had yeah he had a lot of chance. Like he had a free header or something that you'd think you know he would just gobble up week in, week out, and he missed a lot of good chances, but um, Southampton played well. Did this one end 1-0 to Liverpool with Mane's goal? 2-1. 2-1. Oh, Adrian had a howler, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this now. First half, they were garbage. Liverpool were so, so bad. Mane with a brilliant goal out of nowhere. To me, it's his team. I, I understand how good Salah is, a world-class player, but Mane is world-class at, at this point to me. And this is his – he makes things happen on, on call. So, that, here's a question. Here's a question. You yeah. want – you let's say you are a Liverpool fan and you want Liverpool to win the league, okay? You have to pick one of these two to be out injured all season. You're telling me you pick Salah? Yes. And okay. I say that because Salah was on terrible form the first half of the season. He tore it up second half. And a joint top scorer. Credit to him because he's a brilliant, brilliant player. But Mane actually knitted everything together. The passing, the movement, creating chances. 
Mane, everything went through Mane, not necessarily through Salah. So I would rather have Salah, uh, sorry, not Salah, I'd rather have Mane if I have to pick one to play every game while the other one's off injured. Right. I would just pick Firmino, mate. <laughs> That's a lie, and we all know it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mane is obviously a very good player. He's, I guess I can see how you would think like Mane is more involved in the game than Salah, but just Salah does take away, does take so much attention from the opposition defenders, which is why it also allows Mane to do his thing. People still, you know, get on the field, the opposition, and go, Salah's on the field. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get, Mane just feels like he gets more space than Salah does. I, I think that's, that's probably a function of just what he does and how, how well he plays to get into spaces. He also doesn't waste as many chances as Salah does. Um, from from what I've seen. But, you know, if you have two players like that who are absolutely world-class, you know, that's a sign of a of a very good team. So it, it's a good problem. And to be, to be fair to Liverpool, these world-class players were pinched from Southampton and Roma. Like, like they did such a good job to kind of find these two. And then Firmino was from the Bundesliga or whatever. It was like these top three who are, you know, potentially one of the best three, top three in the world, like kind of as a, as a, as a trident. And they've been posts from like nowhere and out of nowhere I know Salah had some rumblings of you know playing well and that but like these three absolutely came out of nowhere to form this incredible trident and, and you know that's that's fair play to Liverpool's scouting and Liverpool's transfers whatever and all those people in the back and he did such a good job putting this together this you know to be this good this trio you know should cost you know two three hundred million but it cost them nothing yeah, yeah. I think uh, overall what I mean, Salah was about 30, Mane was about 30, and Firmino maybe slightly less. So under 100 million for the three of the best forwards in the world at this point is, is really not bad. Um, but can, can we talk about uh, the goal that, that Liverpool conceded, though? Because Adrian, um, I think the Klopp said after, after the game that like every Liverpool goalkeeper has to do one. And so now he's done one <laughs> and we can get on with life, which is quite a good yeah, attitude, yeah. I thought. That is a good point, I, but also keep in keep in mind that the person who blocked it was um, what's his face, um, Ings, huh? yeah, Ings, which Liverpool like absolutely robbed Southampton of like something like eighteen million or whatever the hell that was for Ings. Um, and, oh yeah, you know, I, I think it was part of the contract to just allow Ings to score one goal against them because it had to be like I mean at this point Ings had like an open goal right after and he missed like it was ridiculous. I mean, let's not even get into when Liverpool sold Dominic Solanke for God knows how much. So they probably, <laughs> I, they're, yeah. they're, it's amazing how that, they do things. That that transfer, okay. So there are a number of things wrong when when people say Eddie Howe should manage a big club. The Dominic Solanke and Jordan eBay transfers are right up there. Like, no, you're not doing that with my team, mate. You got, you can't be in charge of spending yeah. any money. Um, it is. Other than that, around the league, Sheffield are tearing it up. Yeah, four points in two games for Sheffield United. That's a lot better than anyone would have thought. Speaking of a lot better than anyone would have thought, uh, let's touch on on one of my favorite teams, uh, Norwich. Team of Pokey, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, half-trick last game. Free transfer, okay. Yeah, and scored against, uh, was it Chelsea or something in the first game? Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's here. He's already on four goals. Golden boot um, candidate right here. <laughs> that would be remarkable. I mean, uh, one thing that newly promoted clubs always struggle with is scoring goals, and usually their strikers don't transition well 
if they come up from the championship. But but this guy, if he can score you well, know twenty goals, that that will probably keep them up. Well, twenty goals is how much like relegated teams score in total. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like I mean, Except this could for, be another uh, like opportunity to make uh, to make money. You know, another Leicester kind of thing, one to five thousand Timo Puki for uh, Timo. Puki. <laughs> oh, man, anyways, that guy for um, for for uh, what's it called Golden Boot. You never know. Make yeah. some money on that. I could just start a hashtag called Punt on Puki. Everything, yeah. Finally, what they won their first game. Um, Bernard scoring from a Lucas Dean. Um, across like again the guy is the guy is just an assist machine man he's been insane for a season and a bit now he was so good i mean this usually his, his assists are crosses so this one was like a long ball from deep in his own half that put bernard through it was so good and i think everton have the joint best goals against record this season yeah because mm-hmm. they, they drew the first game nil nil and then they won second one one nil so yeri mina and uh and michael Keane. Uh, the uh, the strongest centre back pairing in the league right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those sound right. And West Ham are, are doing horrendous. Just a, thank God. Uh, they're so pointless, man. <laughs> like they, like they're just like they annoy me because like they're in the capital. They've got a huge stadium, all of this stuff, and you're still irrelevant. Like. You know? Yeah, even when they make good signings, it doesn't it doesn't seem to make any difference. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and uh, yeah, Crystal Palace are doing horrendous as well. Zaha and Benteke are really not clicking. Like they're just not clicking, man. Like there's there was a heat map of of their performance last game, and they made one pass to each other, and they were the strike partner. <laughs> I, I it was will, that yeah, one arrow that you saw going to the left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's when it bounced off Penteke's leg and just, you know, went out uh, went out wide. I, I genuinely think that Newcastle and Crystal Palace will be relegated unless uh, – well, I don't think Hodgson is doing a bad job. I just think he's got rubbish players. Newcastle are going to get relegated unless they sack Steve Bruce, like, almost immediately. Um, they're, they're horrendous. And Palace, unless they buy, like, four people in January, I don't know what they're going to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of these teams are, did not start the season well enough. Like, again, it's very early, but it just, just looks dangerous for some of these teams. Like, Crystal Palace is, you know, it's a relatively big team, and they they look like they might struggle this season. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. All right, I think that's, uh, that's enough on the Premier League. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll, we'll do a quick buff around Europe. So, Barcelona lost. Roche, yeah. are you happy about this? I'm pleased because Messi wasn't playing and the club imploded and all the fans are like suicidal right now. All it did was enforce Barca's need to go out and buy Neymar. How and they just loaned out Coutinho. Like, what the hell's wrong with a stupid club? Well, Coutinho wasn't working at all, so that makes sense. Also, they got an That's incredible what... deal. $8.5 million yeah, for a loan fee, and then and then Bayern have to spend €120 million Euros if they sign him? Sure. Yeah, That's a good deal. But, like, I mean, Coutinho is only not working out because Messi was on the field. So, and Messi was off the field. Well. Uh, why why do you say that? Yeah, but Messi's well, I just feel not like, you know, Coutinho enough. might need, just need Messi off the field so he can do his thing. Well, apparently so did Dybala and so did every. But then, like, it never seems to – I mean, I'm pretty sure Barcelona would take selling Coutinho over, 
having Messi off the field. You know what I mean? Like, and Messi's, Messi's not off the field enough for other people to shine. You need people who are going to play well with Messi. See, you see how it works with Zlatan. You see how it works with his people. And, like, at the end of the day, Messi is the king. Like, he's too good and he wins you things single-handedly to, like, try and accommodate other players. It's not going to yeah. happen. Also, Coutinho has just been on horrendous form, man. Him and Dembele. Like, Dembele has just been, like, he just looks like he's never played football before, man, sometimes. Like, I swear, I don't know how that happens. Like, like you talk about, like, accommodating. Griezmann is playing out wide because of Suarez. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, Griezmann should start central, Messi on his right, and whoever on his left, and then Suarez should just fight it off with Griezmann because he can't play Griezmann out wide. Like, he's too good for that. Yeah, well, I, I think they could transition to... Um, remember the kind of diamond that, that Zidane was playing a couple of years ago yeah. um, with like Isco behind, behind Benzema Ronaldo. I think they could look at that because they got rid of Malcolm. They got rid of Coutinho. Dembele is, you know, in and out and is now injured for four or five weeks. So their wide players are basically gone. So you could, right. you know, put Griezmann up front with Suarez and stick Messi in behind them or Messi and, and Griezmann could kind of rotate in behind Suarez. But you can definitely do that. Um, and I think it's something that they should look at, especially because then you get that solidity with like De Jong and two other central midfielders. Except that uh, Barca fans absolutely despise Valverde. So there's that. Uh, they have no faith in him doing anything, you know, potentially useful, um, which is, you know, they, they just, re- like, they just seem to dislike him so much. They seem to put so much blame on losses on him, like even the Liverpool comeback and all that. Like, he seems to be too defensive for their liking, like too cautious and, it just doesn't, like, the, the love is gone there between them, even though, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they have faith in him kind of trying to figure out anything as radical or anything like that. I, I don't see it happening. I just, I see him playing the very obvious Barcelona 4-3-3 with kind of hoping for Messi to carry the team. Who did they like? They don't like they anyone like, uh, who's not named Lionel Messi. That's just, just what, what that club is about. <laughs> We got this far without mentioning uh, Adderis' goal, which is a bit unfair. That is unfair, but I have to say, it did come out recently that apparently City offered Messi like three times the money and he said no, which is, you know, something. Or, I mean, it would have been an Amara's upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Adderis' goal at 38 years old was unreal. Just, you shouldn't be able to do that at 38. And, and you know, he manages to do it without being a massive cock like Zlatan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just, he's like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so on, Barcelona on the lose other... ground in the, in the first week because uh, Real Madrid and Atleti both won. So let's talk about uh, yeah. Atleti, Real Madrid first. I think was it Getafe they beat. And uh, Kieran Trippier, ladies and gentlemen, one game, one assist. Yeah, and you called it. Great crosser of the ball, boom. Stick it on Morata's head. So Alex knows his Spurs players, not surprised. Um, I thought I remember seeing something <laughs> about someone making a good run for the penalty. Yeah, yes, that's your absolute And uh, Real Madrid followed that up with a, a 3 0 win. And uh, who, who, who is uh, making waves but a little known Welshman called Gareth Bale? Rangig. Right, <laughs> um, definitely not a little known Welshman. How do you know, sir? Were you his oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a, you know, he's a good player. Um, Richet is actually yeah. flustered. He's really trying to hold this one in. He had a very, very long transfer saga this summer. Um, oh, yeah, a very long, long, you know, a big mm-hmm. story, uh, yeah. big headlines. 
you know, so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, shot, it's interesting to see that he's in the starting lineup. Shot, shot that goal into a bulging net. Yeah, you know, that, that really uh, – and all his teammates are now talking about him affectionately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all over that the interesting. Like, they hated him. He was a golfer. He even threw shade. He was in China. They said no. Zidane said, get the hell out of here. And now Zidane – this is embarrassing, prison is Zidane, as far as I'm concerned. He had to start this boy. That is embarrassing. I don't know what you guys think. Not only is it embarrassing that he had to start him, but he actually came out and said, you know, oh, we're reliant on Bale. He's an important player, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a massive climb down for him. It's, it is it is embarrassing. I think I think what happened is probably Bale just said, I'm not going anywhere, guys, no matter whatever, or, like, comes in because no one's going to pay him that money. So Perez just went to Zidane and said, mate, he's playing, he's here, just make it work. <laughs> no, they they actually – they he nearly had a transfer to um, – uh, which Chinese club was it? I forget. Um, and Real Madrid, like the board of Real Madrid, cancelled it at the last minute because they didn't want to give him away for free. Like this club were going to give him the wages, but they weren't going to pay a transfer fee. And Real Madrid said at the last minute they cancelled it. And so basically Perez just screwed over Zidane. All right, I think that will do it for La Liga. Uh, does, I have a quick, uh, a sneaky feeling that Atletico might win the league this year. Anyone, anyone joining me on that, on that side no, of the fence? No. no. Okay, uh, sod you all. Gentlemen, anything else other than trivia night, September 11th, Opera Bob's, downtown Toronto. Uh, check out our Twitter feed uh, for the details for that, for the registration link. Um, beyond that, does anyone have anything else to say? Um, nope. No, just I'm so glad the like the football is back, man. It it's been a long, been a long you know summer. It has, it has. Roche, thank you and good night. Uh, thank you guys. Bernie, thank you and good night and uh, give Paul a little cuddle for us. We'll do. Take care, guys. See you next time. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.